Welcome to the third episode of the 1823 podcast mini-series, The Mental Edge, Thriving Under Pressure and the Concept of Big Game Players. I'm Dr Francesca Champ and I'm Dr Gillian Cook and we're both lecturers in sport and performance psychology at Liverpool John Moores University. So welcome to today's episode of the 1823 podcast, the Mental Edge mini-series. Today we're going to be looking at players that thrive under pressure. So these big game players that, that we see in tournaments through the, you know, get through the group stages, but then in the knockout stage really manage to elevate their performance and not just galvanise themselves, but also the team around them. But before we, we get into that, just a, a couple of reflections so far on the tournament I think uh, you probably agree that there's been some really great football, some some really exciting uh, matches that, that we've seen. And it's really been great to see football back, but particularly football back with fans. Because mm-hmm. I think that's really something that has been lacking for the... Well, clearly lacking the the last season we've not just heard players and managers talk about how much they have missed the presence of fans and the the energy the enthusiasm and just that football feel Uh, but we've also had fans themselves that have missed that usual routine you know they really enjoy going to football that that community spirit and uh, obviously you're at the football you're chatting about the football but you also talk about other things so you know what's going on in your life and football is very much a, a bonding experience for people it's, it's not really just a, a football event so it's it's brilliant to have the, the fans back and hopefully starting to look things starting to resemble a little bit of, of normality but it, it's really great to to be watching the so from my own experience of, of being in uh, stadiums throughout the, the past season with Dundee United, you're there, you're with the team and, and the directors are there, but the, the stadium can feel very, very different when it, it's just you. It's been a, a very different atmosphere. Uh, and just, you know, watching the Euros on TV now, it's been great to hear that, that noise and, and that energy. And it, it feels like football is back. Absolutely. And I think you've summed that up really nicely in that I think we've, all as fans we've missed stadiums and I think reciprocally both players and staff themselves have missed having that fan presence and I guess in relation to that we're delighted today to be joined by Dr Lisa O'Halloran who is a big footballing fan herself but her knowledge extends far beyond just being a fan. Um, so Lisa is a current lecturer in sport and exercise psychology at Coventry University and she's also the first team and the under 23 sports psychologist for Coventry City. Hello everyone, thank you for inviting me here today. It's lovely to be here to talk to you on this podcast. Awesome, and I guess um, what we're gonna delve into a little bit more today, Lisa and Jill yourself, is the concept of big game players. Um, So I think we all know that the word or the phrase big game players is a buzz term in football. It's used by pundits, it's used by players, managers, everybody that's kind of involved in the game. And I think for us, when we sit back and we reflect on it, what does that term actually mean? What does it mean to be a big game player? And what does it mean to thrive under pressure? And I think for me, a big game player is very much somebody that you look to in times of performance-related crisis, but also in times when you are thriving as a team or as a group of players. 
So if we look to describe some of the characteristics or the qualities that these big game players possess, I would say that they're very much focused on their own performance as opposed to the performance of their competitors. So they have a really strong um, or they have a really good ability to focus their attentions, not to be distracted. I guess in relation to that, they are very much focused on their own performance um, as opposed to any outcomes or performance-based measures. And for me, that relates to motivation, something that we'll touch upon later. So they're very much intrinsically driven. They strive to be the best that they can possibly be. And yes, of course, there's that extrinsic element who doesn't want to win a trophy along the way, but very much it's around them and self-fulfillment. I think also um, they have a stable level of confidence and it's a stable high level of confidence. So they tend to be unaffected by adversity or they tend to be unaffected by challenge. In fact, they approach challenging situations with a sense of optimism and a sense of positivity. And it is in fact under these um, high pressure circumstances or high pressure games when in fact they tend to really thrive. really interesting uh, things that that you bring up and so many different uh, concepts and different things to to chat about and really unpack. One thing that that you mentioned that just made me think there was when you were saying that big game players, the ones that really elevate their performance when it matters, which is really what we're talking about today, are they're able to focus on what matters when it matters. Mm -hmm. So as you were saying, if, if your focus is on winning, then that can bring even more pressure. But also just thinking about how am I going to win? It doesn't necessarily tell you what you need to do to perform well. So really as a, at team level, for me, where the focus should always be is what are the inputs? And if you take care of the inputs, then the outputs will take care of themselves. And it, also, if it also comes back, as you said, to about motivation, that again, on a team level, if you're, if you're just focused on winning, then if you win three games in a row, you can become, uh, you can take your foot off the pedal and you can stop doing the, the things that, that, you know, lead to, to good performances. Or the other side, if you're focused on uh, winning and you've lost three games in a row, then you can, you know, really become... You can lose your confidence and motivation can completely drop. So it doesn't help um, whether you're winning or losing to have that focus on on the outcome. What you want is what do we need to do as a team and what do I need to do individually as part of that team to get those uh, those performances that that we need to do to to win because is you know as much as we as psychologists might say oh you know you've got to focus on the the process it is inevitable as you were saying there 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 always is going to be that that focus as well on we want to win and that's a good thing because if if the motivation is very positive it's about winning then when you're playing you're thinking about the glory of, of victory and all the good things that, that can happen from that whereas if you're focused on oh gosh I don't want to lose then your focus is on the shame of of losing people can get very tense and, and tight and because you basically end up with cognitive overload so what I mean by that is there's too much going on in your brain you're not able to think clearly and, and do good decision making and problem solving uh, if that's the case then and, and that, that focuses on gosh we must not lose that's when performances can really dip so that's a, a couple of uh, things that really lead into where some people can have good performances and Lisa what uh, what have your experiences been of, of work that, that you've done with different players and uh, 
what you've experienced that some players are able to do, maybe some of the, the qualities that they might have that enable that them to thrive under pressure? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things you tend to see is that, that these big game players are are willing and able to take ownership of you know these big moments and these these big performances despite the discomfort that they may feel knowing that there's something important at stake if they were to underperform and i think that can be described that kind of willingness to take ownership and to and to still you know put themselves in that situation and face up to that challenge can be described as as kind of courageous or or demonstrating courage because you know they're still engaging in this um in this role and and they're still taking ownership despite knowing that the outcome might not be exactly what they what they want it to be so i think for those big game players courage is certainly something that that comes along with that and and the you know the the willingness to take responsibility for for their performance and and sometimes for for the team's performance as well I think what Lisa picked up on there was really nice when she's talking about courage and maybe some of the leadership qualities, both for your own performance and the performance of others. And I think one example that immediately springs to mind for me is in the Euro 2016 tournament. So Cristiano Ronaldo, he's the captain of Portugal. They were in the knockout stages and they actually went to a penalty shootout and his teammate um, had been nominated to take a penalty, but was clearly quite distressed at the situation and clearly quite felt quite uncomfortable and Cristiano Ronaldo took it upon himself to go over to the player and it was all filmed and he said you can do it and even if you don't do it it doesn't matter but just have the courage to step forward have the courage to take that risk and I think that's exactly what Lisa's discussing when she's saying those players they're not necessarily they know that they might fail but they're not afraid of failure the courage comes beyond that to still continue in pursuit and for me that relates very much to self-awareness another skill that when I'm working with players and performers that I would be um, striving to develop Um, and I think what is self-awareness so I think self-awareness is that ability to understand and recognize your thoughts your feelings your emotions and your actions both how they influence yourself but also really important for if you're a teammate or if you take part in a team sport how do your thoughts how do your actions influence the experiences of others and so I think self-awareness then is about the ability to control your emotions it's the ability to understand your influence and if we're not necessarily self-aware I think at a time like this under high pressure situations and big pressure environments it's where we might unravel because we might not recognize the impact that a certain situation is having on us or the way in which we're dealing with it how it might be detrimental to us to our performance or or maybe to those around us so I think self-awareness is a really important concept that's closely related to courage and can facilitate optimal performance under pressure really nice what what you speak about there with uh, that self-awareness and the influence that some of our behaviours under stress can not just be detrimental to ourselves but to those around us because if if you remember back to episode one where we spoke about emotional contagion so again that's just a, a psychological term for the the mimicry that we all tend to have for each other's emotions if i'm stressed you will then probably be stressed as well that um tend to rub off on on each other's emotions and particularly what 
players that are, are really able to thrive under pressure and are good not just for themselves but for the team as you were saying they're aware of what they're doing in, in these moments and they're aware that okay when I'm stressed I may tend to walk a bit more quick, quickly than usual uh, you know I might rush around during the warm-up I might talk more quickly but they're aware of it so they're then able to not do that and certainly there's uh, players and people in leadership positions that I've worked with where we've very much you know set out and it's very been planned walk more slowly than you usually <laughs> would and actually they'll be walking at a pretty normal pace but just they're trying to walk more more slowly they're also uh, putting sort of effort into how it is they're they're talking trying to to lift that lid and, and take different bits of, of pressure off because certainly under these big pressure moments it's not give it's it's to project that demeanor of calm because again if you're the opponent and you look over and it looks like everyone's really stressed they're running around they're shouting at each other that's great they look like they're stressed they won't be thinking clearly they won't be executing you know problem solving and, and decision making and all those things that lead to good performance that will only help me as a, a performer so if people are stressed it's not just that it has an influence on that person and the, the team but it will also have an influence on the other team and, and their confidence and although not football related if we think about 100 meter running Usain Bolt on the uh, the, the start line he absolutely look he was thriving in that moment he would do I think he used to do dancing and if you are and certainly Rafael Nadal in tennis before he goes out he jumps up and down and it is intimidating and if you're a competitor you're thinking oh gosh they're ready for this and you then start to so I mean mind games arguably well not just arguably mind games start before the the match really begins and I think what you've touched upon that was really nice that you spoke about some of the impact of pressure for example you said it makes people walk quicker and I think all of us in society just as human beings generally we all experience pressure we all experience stress and that manifests itself in different ways for all of us so for example some of the psychological symptoms of stress and might be stress might be worrying overthinking doubting yourself doubting others um, having clouded thoughts and inability to focus and we've got some of the more physical symptoms so like you said where your adrenaline is up you feel a little bit shaky you feel a little bit sweaty you feel a little bit different to what you normally do but I think we have to recognize that that's actually a normal emotion and it's a normal response to a situation that means a lot to us and I think Lisa you draw upon that element in your work when working with individuals and teams yeah, definitely. And I think I think it's really important that when we're looking at performance situations and, and stressful situations and pressure situations that kind of bring it back to self-awareness as well. We, we help the athletes to recognize that, you know, a stressful situation, the goal is to reduce the the stressors or to feel less overwhelmed. You know, so if, if you're in a stressful situation, that's that's a goal. But in a pressure situation, performing optimally or successfully is is the goal so what we don't want is for the athlete to shy away from that situation because it feels uncomfortable and it feels like you know th these symptoms are starting to manifest so it might be you know your somatic anxiety or your cognitive anxiety the the athlete's job there is to devote every ounce of their energy to the task at hand and and that's why i bring self-awareness back into it because knowing you're in a pressure moment is 
the cue to focus on doing what you need to do in order to be able to perform. So it might be, like you said, Jill, kind of being mindful of, are your behaviors changing? Are you kind of omitting this kind of um, sense of not being in control or are the opposition going to maybe gain a, some psychological momentum because of behaviors are, sh are shifting? How can we you know, portray this image that we are in control? But also how can we help ourselves to feel in control? So that might be employing your psychological skills or making sure that preparation for performance is optimal um, to meet the demands of the task at hand. So I think differentiating those two things is really important. How can we reduce stress, but also in a pressure situation, how can we recognize that shying away from it isn't the goal? The goal is to face it. I like really like what you said there at the end about, as you say, those two things. It's, um, yes, it's reducing stress, but about how do we... Uh, not hide away from it how do we lift ourselves for performance and that's really what uh top top players are able to do the ones that perform or arguably overperform in these these big situations that when uh, i remember it was at a match at it was west brom and the it was eden hazard and there was a he fell over in the box and the fans didn't think he should have fallen over <laughs> in the box. So there was a few choice words that were being, you could hear were, were being shouted at him. He was being booed. And I think it was about within one or two minutes of that incident, he then scored. Uh, so instead of uh, thinking, oh, you know, from a, a motivation, gosh, um, they're booing me, this is awful. He, that galvanized him and he was able to use the energy of the fans to basically say I'm going to show you and that extra effort and that extra persistence went into scoring that goal and I think he actually went on to score a couple of goals in that, <laughs> that match and we can see that from so many uh, big game uh, players or, or players that really thrive under pressure and one of the, the most important elements that really underpin uh, top performance and superior performance is self-confidence and self-confidence you hear that term banded about a lot and all I mean by self-confidence is having the belief that you can successfully execute a task so what is it that you want to do and with higher self-confidence you have more persistence and more effort because if you think you can achieve something you will obviously try harder at, at trying to do it and the effort and uh, also practice time will go up because you think I'll eventually get this so I'll keep practicing I'll keep practicing and we do see elements of perfectionism in uh, elite level performers because they want to get things right but again the more discretionary effort they put in in training that then tends to translate into match play situations but they're also continually working because in training if your confidence is high if your coach says to you oh you know I noticed that you did this or this try and work on on this here you take that as a great that I'm taking this in an optimistic way I can get better and you embrace criticism you embrace the opportunity to keep learning you don't think oh gosh the coach thinks I'm awful this <laughs> you don't awfulize it and think this is terrible you you take these opportunities and keep building and, and keep striving to to get better and one of the other elements people can think is quite related to self-confidence but sort of but not necessarily is narcissism which uh, research and, and some of my own research has found that elite performers 
are higher on narcissism than others. And by narcissism, all I mean by that is when people have a, a grandiose view of themselves and crave admiration from others. Because if you're a narcissist, then the world is a stage to shine. So uh, in training situations where people aren't watching you, you can sometimes find that, uh, you know, people quite high in narcissism might not train so well but in a match play situation they will you know the extra effort and that confidence and that the opportunity to to shine and to to do those good things that they know they can do can really come about so there's there's quite a number of uh, different psychological factors that really go in to i suppose it's almost a, a recipe book and different ingredients of what can translate into top performance when it matters Absolutely. And I think um, what we're, when we're talking about this recipe book, it's almost as well recognising that arguably every performer is different. Every performer will bring their own unique blend of that recipe, their own unique characteristics to the table. And therefore adopting a one-size-fits-all approach to talent identification or a one-size-fits-all approach to how we work with the performer might not necessarily be appropriate. So I guess when we reflect back and we think upon some of about some of all of our applied work, we work at an individual level, so with players, with athletes. We work at a team level on concepts like group cohesion or preparedness. And we work at an organisational level to try and ensure that the cultures we create facilitate optimal performance, but also allow these individuals to thrive under high-pressure environments. And I guess some of the things that I'd like to draw upon when... Um, we talk about how athletes and teams can thrive under pressure is working at that team level when you're working with a group of 11 players that go out on the pitch and they almost have to present as one and they um yes we have those big game players but ultimately we have to be a big game team because if we have one player that thrives but 10 that don't thrive what are our chances of survival what are our chances of success what are our chances of thriving and that's where i think we should work as sport and performance psychologists to prepare athletes and to prepare teams but also recognize that then no level of preparation will ever be enough in fact actually we have to be flexible we have to be able to adapt but if we all have a clear role so if everybody has a purpose within the team if everybody feels valued if everybody has a role arguably when we experience that pressure what do we do we revert to what we know best so we revert to our role we revert to what we're familiar with and if you're able to engage in and pursue that role effectively i think team performance would probably be able to withstand a greater level of pressure and i guess lisa would you like to dip in with any other comments in relation to that yeah, definitely. I think I think what what you've touched on as well is kind of this this idea of of team identity and, and a team having a, a clear idea of, of who they are, um, what their collective goals are, what their signature strengths are, um, you know, what they bring to the table. And I think in in challenging times or times where maybe you know teams are under pressure, that that sense of identity, knowing their role, knowing you know what like I said, what their strengths are and, and what they bring and, and what, what they are capable of um, can be really important in, in regrouping and, and pushing on despite um, challenging situations or setbacks that they might experience during a game or, or during a tournament. Really nicely what you've both spoken about there about um, 
managing setbacks, but also about managing pressure. For me, the, the word that screams out is the word resilience. Uh, so resilience is, it used to be thought of about as, you know, where you bounced back from setbacks, whereas now uh, the new sort of definition of resilience is around being able to withstand pressure and still be able to perform under pressure and certainly I, I do this myself as a psychologist and uh, you know quite a number of others that as a way to build and enhance not just individual resilience but team resilience there are different types of pressure training as you were saying to try and emulate uh, you can never completely emulate competition but how is it that we can ratchet up some pressure so that players can experience some speed bumps along the way to then learn coping mechanisms learn how they play under pressure so i always think about pre uh, pressure training as comfort the troubled and trouble the comfortable so with that, if you can see that, I mean, stress really is just a, a reaction to a pressure situation. You appraise it. So that means you think about it and you think, can I cope with this demand or can I not? And if you don't think you can cope with the demand, that's when stress and pressure becomes overwhelming. Whereas if you do think you can cope with the demand, then you get that elevated level of performance. So within pressure training, you would put in a different... Uh, stressful uh, scenarios and, and maybe throw in a couple of roadblocks and you see how players respond to that and if they respond in a way that uh, you know the they, they performance may have gone down then you would put motivational feet so your feedback loop would be you'd increase motivational feedback you'd look to enhance performance you'd be helping them uh, learn that they can cope with these pressures whereas if you, know, you throw different pressures and roadblocks in and their performance is enhanced then you keep building on that with developmental feedback so you know great I, I noticed that you did this and this however if you do this and this and this and that's how you can keep building uh, on resilience but also keep building on performance so that continual feedback loop either uh, as I said uh, trouble the comfortable or trouble the uncomfortable <laughs> and I think what we've all kind of touched upon is um, feedback and for me that brings us quite nicely to one of the final characteristics of what a big game player is and I think a big game player has to recognise that they're not the finished product. Actually, big game players always have capacity to learn. They always have capacity to develop. And what probably distinguishes those from some of the other players who are super successful, but not quite your Cristiano Ronaldo's, is that they're not continually striving to take the next step, to take the step forward, to learn from others and a range of different resources around them. So I think we've had a really, really nice discussion there around a lot of different aspects. We've brought in a lot of psychological theory um, we've touched upon big game players how each of us might work to help performers to manage stress we've looked at courage identity self-awareness emotional regulation and even Jill's brought in narcissism so I think we've all learned something today um, thank you for your time and we really hope that you've enjoyed this episode thank you very much <laughs>